I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode, where we watched the big winner at this year's Sundance Film Festival, Coda, directed by Sean Heater, a film about a high school student who is the only hearing member of her family. Her parents and brother are all deaf, and she is what they call a Coda, a child of deaf adults. Coda is now streaming on Apple TV+. Let's cut to our conversation about Coda, already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. It's it's funny, like, talking about family support systems, and we can transition here, I think. Um, like, talking about family dynamics, talking about support systems, and because that is so much of what Coda is about, but... Mm. And, and actually, I think that's that's what the movie is about. Um, right. But that's not what I think about every time I think about Coda because it right. is unique or, you know, it has this hook um, aspect to it that right. in some ways serves it really well. And in some ways, actually, I think obscures in my mind what the point of the movie is. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, like when... Like I said in my letterbox review, that when you sent me the trailer, I was immediately turned off at the idea of not the gimmick. It's not a gimmick, but um, like the way it was being presented was just a classic coming of age, yeah, like team with like doesn't know how to relate to their family, but also like let's just sprinkle in they're deaf, you know, yeah. And like that's how the marketing and trailer felt that it didn't, wasn't going to carry the nuance and and complexity that it does. Yeah. So yeah, I was immediately like, Are "You sure you want to talk about this?" I know. Well, and I had sent that to you while I was watching the movie because mm. I and I because I wouldn't have sent it, I wouldn't have suggested it just based on like the trailer, but I right. I was watching it. and I thought, okay, this is this is exceeding my expectations. And and overcoming, uh, like really kind of corny teen coming of age kind of stuff. It makes that genre palatable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it's not which just... was which was why it was fascinating to me. That yes. I was like, you know, most movies, I would this would be, you know, I'd be gagging right now. A hundred percent. But is that because they're deaf? And that's the premise, or is it because the movie actually? No, the movie knows what it's doing. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I agree. I I I'm I, I was very impressed, and um and and I had I I don't even remember if I warned you about the trailer, but when I when I had sent it, I was kind of worried that you were going to see that trailer and be like, no thanks. I was, and then you're like, it won at Sundance. Yeah. I'm like, okay. It, yeah. Trailers are deceiving sometimes. Yes. But yeah, my overall, um, you know, takeaway is that usually in these types of movies, the family are really stand-ins, or like they help set the stage for the lead, mm. and and they're like kind of cardboard cutouts of a family. Mm-hmm. But it's like the the family unit is the main character. In this film. To me. Yeah, in yes. Coda. Yes, 
and it's I think I think what I observe I think you say that really well. Usually, the family the family members around the lead character um, uh, exist as props almost, and right. and you know they they're just like oh this is the dad and this is like the weird quirky thing or the thing about yes. him and this is the mom and this is their relationship and everyone is used by a screenwriter and a director to further different aspects of the main character's journey. Right. Where this film... And kind of kind of the lack of change in the family. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Char- helps drive the character forward. Yeah. Um, where this movie is actually primarily interested in the, the, the lead, um, Ruby, her role in that family. And the mm-hmm. integration of that whole family unit. Yeah. Like, I the first movie, the, I mean, they're totally going after different things here. Yeah. But I think about Easy A, like the parents mm. in Easy A. Yeah. Which, again, very different movies. But I just re- remember them as being, like, like, so perfectly, like, quirky and supportive. And, like, just uh-huh. there for her. And, like... I'm and like, they, no. don't, they don't change... There's yeah. no self discovery for them. Yeah, and and even even to like a lesser extent, in a movie like Lady Bird, yeah. um, the 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 family isn't so much that, but there's there's less exploration in how they could be handling this stuff as well as a family unit. Lady Bird, as a, yeah, as a family unit. Lady Bird succeeds, I think, in the way that Lady Bird has this incredibly complex complex nuanced relationship with her mother mm-hmm. and the same with her fa- with her father <laughs> right in the same movie and like those are actually two different threads in the film right, right. Uh, it, which it totally succeeds and in this movie it's so much about the integration of this the, this family of four as a whole right right which breathes some new life yeah into otherwise stale beats that it, it yeah. definitely hits yeah and so for me you know one of the one of my favorite a standout scene to me in the film is her her concert the fall concert or whatever the spring concert at the school Mm -hmm. and where i think in a different movie it's about her succeeding overcoming this fear of singing and having a smash performance and and maybe a little bit of like the family like oh she's she can sing wow Right. E- even though they're deaf in a different movie, they'd be like just amazed yes. from A to B yeah. or A to Z, you know, throughout uh-huh. her performance. Yes. And in this movie, actually, Ruby isn't even the central focus of that scene. It's her right. parents, primarily even her dad, and the two of them basically looking lost. And you can just see this melancholy that they have, that they desperately love their daughter and want to be supportive of this but it there's such a barrier for them to be able to participate or even know what's happening right that that's like seeing a museum showing but you're blind yeah yeah or in our well i just cannot yes experience what's being you know shown here yes and and so the scene ends up being about the pain that this that this that these parents hold 
um, while still really wanting to support their daughter and yeah. and being really proud of her because they have that moment where they where the dad looks around and he sees the other people in the auditorium responding to his daughter singing and he's proud and he's excited for her. Uh, but I love when they cut to one audience member who's crying. I'm like, would, yes. you, would you be crying at this duet from high schoolers? I'm not sure. Which I love as just what a great, what a great uh, encapsulation of how cheesy this genre can be. I know. I'm glad that they get ahead of it and make fun of Glee before I have to. Like it wasn't early quite quick enough for me. It was probably, it was probably two or three minutes too late because I was already thinking about Glee and be like, the, the first. I mean, scene, I was thinking about Glee from the trailer. Sure. Uh, um, t- okay, so do you want to give a little bit of structure to this conversation? Um, sure. Coda. It, it's, uh, just came out on Apple TV Plus. It won a lot of awards at Sundance this year. Um, big independent film, and and it, this one definitely feels like an independent film. Um, there, yeah. and I mean that in a, in a really positive way. Um, you know, I I always I always think it's kind of like this funny thing that even while he was making like Pulp Fiction, people said that like that was an independent film. But mm-hmm. you know Samuel Jackson and John Travolta and Bruce Willis are all in it. Like, right? It's independent, sure. But uh, right. I mean, it's such a long time ago. But this this feels in a in a bigger way like an independent film, and mm-hmm. um, really championed by Marley Matlin, who plays um, the mom, R- Ruby's mother, and her insistence. I mean, the movie almost didn't get made because she insisted that. Her husband and her son were also played by deaf actors because um, she was threatening to pull out. And that was a really important. And I think I think that actually is what part of why it's so effective. There's a naturalism yeah. to the performances. Um, and what else is she in? Uh, she, I, I for me, I, I don't know. Do you know Marley Matlin from anything? I know from one thing. Uh, yeah, go ahead. And I'll, and I'll share mine. <laughs> She's the lip reader in the episode of Seinfeld. I believe that episode is called the lip reader. And, well, no, she's a ball girl. Uh, yes, she's the ball girl at the at the at the U.S. Who Open read or lips. something. Who can read lips? Um, can I use her? I've got a party next. <laughs> Marley Matlin also had a long-running, recurring role in on the West Wing. I think she's in almost every season of the West Wing. Uh, and she's incredible in the West Wing, um, and and so it's always a joy when she uh, she comes out and do something. She also is an Oscar winner. She won an Oscar um, uh, when she was very young um, for a film, Children of a Lesser God. Um, and but she's a deaf actress, and she's working, and she's a, a big champion of um, deaf actors, and uh, and she's amazing in this movie. Um, yeah. So the, the kind of premise of the film is that Ruby, is, she's a high school senior. Her family, her parents, and her older brother are all deaf. So she's a coda, a child of deaf, deaf adults. And her um, brother and her dad are uh, fishermen, um, and they fish um, on the coast there. And Ruby gets up every day, and she's the hearing deckhand, basically, um, and fishes with them. And then she goes straight from the docks to high school. And that's kind of her life um really integrated in this family unit and supportive of the family business and all of that and then in her senior year she discovers singing 
Um, she signs up for choir. Or she always loves singing. She, but she yeah, signs up she, for she discovers and that. And that's a twist. She's a coda, but yeah. she loves to sing. Yes. Um, she she discovers like that she actually has talent. That other people think she has talent in this area of singing. Um, and so then the movie kind of proceeds from there. She actually gets to a point where she wants to pursue music. She wants to go to Berkeley School of Music, and. But what does that mean for her family? Because that that would mean her leaving, and um, part of the, you know, we'll talk about it later. But part of the tension is, you know, how, how is the family going to um, navigate just the different situations that they're in without Ruby as this kind of built-in interpreter translator for their ASL at so so often in their lives, and and that's not it's it's I, I want to be careful because it's not like the family is a, a using overusing or abusing their daughter in this situation. I think it's just this natural, you naturally become dependent and you, you build rhythms and routines as a family unit. Right. What well, you've done for years. Yeah. Yeah. I, not to kick things off on a negative note, but I think I'm going to. Yeah, please. <laughs> like one of my biggest problems with the movie was believing that her, like her passion for music as a driving motivator yes because even when she signs up like they kind of throw it in as an aside but she signs up for choir because the love interest signs up for choir and she knows that he's in that line to sign up yeah so she like changes last minute and says i'll do choir too and i'm like ah could we not have had that i know you know because like yeah i i know she loves singing and that comes across but I, I don't ever get the sense of, like, she wants to make a life and career out of this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that is ever presented at any point in the film. Yeah. I, well, I And think... that's, that's because of that, it, it makes me just, like, oh, why, why would she want to try this hard to get to the school? Yeah. When it truly feels just like a side love, like a hobby that she loves to do. Yeah. Versus, I, I'm going to make this my life. I, I think. I think what the st- what her story is in the movie though is is actually discovering that music can, music can be a way for her to express herself and find a, a unique voice and identity. And I think I think that's the journey she goes on. She does not get to this place where she's like, oh, I'm going to pursue music as a career. She gets to the mm-hmm. point where she says, actually, this is this is part of my identity, and maybe part of her journey in the film is she would never have done that before because of Mm. her family. Right. And just the power of the choice. Yeah. She, she, she falls into this choir class and that is where, like I said, it's where she discovers that other people think she has a talent for this because she's been singing around her family all these years and obviously they can't hear her. Um, And, and so I think, and, and then I, I, and I think that is what we see in her audition performance at Berkeley, where she's she's very stilted and uncomfortable, and and it's not kind of coming across. And then she starts signing the songs, which I just love. Didn't you just love it when she starts signing the music, Mitchell? Well, a little context. We went to <laughs> a Christian school that from preschool to eighth grade taught sign language yeah. just as a like like math, science, sign language. Yeah. And so it we wasn't were, every day, but we took sign language a couple times a week. 
Yeah, so we were so we were late lady birding it up on chapel <laughs> went Wednesdays and signing along to all the songs. I mean, so, and that was the primary use of the sign language that we learned was signing songs at chapel. Right. <laughs> I know. Like Dwight says, most of his German is religious. Yes. It's like most of my signing is religious in tone. Most of my sign, most of the sign language I know today is because of lyrics to Mary, Did You Know? All right. I know lamb. I know king. I know baby boy. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, walk on water. I know how to do that. Um, and And so I love this moment because it's like, in this movie of things I absolutely cannot relate to at almost every turn, I can actually relate to someone singing and signing at the same time. Um, but but you see that that's the moment where her voice comes mm-hmm. the most, you know, in the strongest way. It's when she's able to express herself through this um, uh, musical art, but also do so in a way that it connects her to her family. Right. And right. and that is able that, to be seen yes, by them. Yes. And that her identity in this family unit is not completely gone because she's singing and it's something that that, that is difficult for them to participate in, but actually right. connecting those two things. Um and and so and, and like that's the thing is like the movie is not concerned with what happens at Berkeley, right? Like she gets right. in the last shot of the movie, right, is her signing I love you as she's driving away. And mm-hmm. um, as she's, you know, loaded up her car with her dorm room furniture. And, like, you can see Ruby going to Berkeley for a couple of years and being fine. There's nothing. Yeah, it's a total who cares at yeah. that point. Yeah. But it's all the, like, mushy stuff that would normally fall flat mm-hmm. in, a, in a, a movie that plays to the, the more average beats of yes. the genre. But for some reason, I'm watching it. I'm like... This is working on me. I know. I'm tearing I know. up. I know. That there is nothing in the movie that makes me think this person is going to be wildly successful in right. a music career. I, I, I maybe you know whatever, but it, but that's but not the point. No, no one seems to be concerned about that, including no, her. no, no, not at all. Um, and and so yeah, I think they're. I, I the the plot is there because it's hooky and because it's like oh you get it she she sings and her family's deaf but what's going to happen but i think what is powerful about the film is you know i say that we i say this all the time i say it on the podcast all the time that that movies are these empathy machines they they get us to empathize because they expose us and force us to relate to people and situations that i can't relate to i right. i don't I, I can't relate to, I mean, the, the, they could they could be totally hearing people, and it just be about Ruby is a deckhand on her dad's fisher fishing boat. Right, right. You could take the deaf stuff out of it, and I would still be like, I don't, I don't relate to this in any way, shape, or form because I didn't wake right. up at three a.m. every day of high school and go fishing. Right. Um, but the movie uses the 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 storyline of this of her music and wanting to go off to college and leave her family as a way then to explore an area of uh, of like this family life that is something I would never even considered as an issue right right one of the um, kind of gut punch moments for me is the dad and brother mom are trying to figure out 
they've got some money problems. Mm -hmm. Should we sell the boat to pay for, you know, and he's kind of having this, this is all I know how to do is fish. Mm -hmm. But all he knows how to do fishing is semi-dependent on his hearing daughter to be on the boat so he can fish, so he can hear when they're getting, like, calls in from wherever or just, like, like legally needing to have a hearing person on the boat. And so that sort of dependence... Like is not something that I, you know, that vulnerability think. Yeah. That like, Oh man, if I like anything I was good at or yes, any way I provide for my family was so dependent on On someone else, someone else. And then more specifically like your own kid. Yeah. And, and to me, the, the, the gut punch in that, in those scenes that really affected me was the way that her brother was responding to all of this. Because he he's an he's the older brother, but mm-hmm. but he's deaf and she's not, and so she's always the one that you know he says she's Saint Ruby. You know he right, he, he right. uses that expression in this kind the of golden child. Yeah, in, in this mocking way because she's the one who saves us all the time. But he's standing there like I'm a fisherman. I work hard. I do this. The, the it was my idea to start this business. Like all of this stuff, but he is inherently or in that moment seemingly less valuable because he can't hear. And right. he just desperately, so desperately wants to contribute. And and he's really frustrated with his hearing sister where like the parents are, because are, at some point Ruby says she's going to stay, right? And right. this seems to be a, a solution to their problems. But the brother is like, no, thank you. I, I do not want this. And and there's even conflict in that. And that's what I loved about the movie is that the the three members, the three deaf members of the family were not this monolithic all operating with the, like they're not just sitting there hoping Ruby, hoping that Ruby makes the, the, the same decision, you know? Right. They have different motivations. They have different hopes and desires for themselves even. Mm-hmm. Um, I got it on in the background. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I feel like it's some distracting sometimes. Uh, can I tell you what was, th- I, I don't even know if it's the best part of the movie, or I'm sorry, I don't even know if it's the worst part of the movie or if it redeemed itself, but the stuff in the beginning where I was almost like, this is, this is dumb. This is an episode of Glee. It's, the teacher? It's the teacher. When the choir master shows up and I'm like, this guy walked in off the set of Glee onto this nice indie movie that He's Marley Matlin is trying on. to do. Oh my gosh. The, the outfits and the 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 whole thing the the meditation him sitting at a him sitting there meditating in the choir room and ruby interrupting that and him being like pissy about it felt like a scene from an episode of a sitcom right i know like that that oh my gosh i don't understand and i i don't even know if it's redeemed i i i think it's redeemed because they step away from it for most of the movie right and he becomes it's a real mentor as a pressure cooker for her with her family of he's got high standards so she can't just be non-committal yes which i get that i get the like kind of purpose of him I, in, yes in driving it forward but, but it's pretty hard to it's those early scenes that. yeah it's the early scenes with the choir stuff where i was just like the I, breathing exercises the breathing exercise the auditions for choir not the auditions but the hey we're gonna find out what your voice sounds like like yeah i i just it it felt like that was where the movie was 
very confident in itself, but very much a different piece. <laughs> yeah. That's a different thing than the union meetings fighting over fishing contracts and Ruby interpreting that for her dad, right? Like, Or, or her having to go to the doctor's office with them, yeah, as yeah. he describes his jockage. <laughs> Uh, how was that? How did, how did that scene hit you? Oh, I, that's when I was like, oh, this has got a, a, a it's and a horse it, of a different color. Yes. As uh, Zoe says in Death Proof. Yes. I use that phrase oh all the time. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, this is this is funny. Yeah. The, no, no. The writing's, I, I, lot, the writing's tighter. It, and, and, like, and oh, that's what I think is so interesting is like the film has humor and has some like really good humor. Like all the stuff with the family, like when when Ruby is told by her mom, take your headphones out at the dinner table, but her older brother's allowed to sit there on Tinder. Right. And, and, and she says... That's one of the better jokes. It's great. But she says, how come he gets to Tinder and I can't listen to music? And the mom says, because we, we can all Tinder together as a family. Right. <laughs> like, that's funny. And so I, I don't I, I don't want the movie to be humorless, but I want more of that and less of like, oh, we, we brought in some writers from Glee to write this choir room scene. Yeah, like some of the musical uh, culmination or like building moments. Yeah, and, and, and it's weird because the musical moments really worked for me when her family was involved. Yeah, but exactly. But when it's just in the choir room... Or even just her... Uh, and I mean, it's funny, but when it's just her mm-hmm. and the guy yeah. in her room, like, it's pretty boring. Yeah. And then it's obviously interrupted by her parents loudly having sex yes. because they have no context for yes. how loud they're being. Yes. Which, like, yeah, there, there's so many... What's funny about this movie is there's so many... Like, oh, God, we're falling into this trope that I'm sick and tell. Oh, wow. They uh-huh. whiplash you into, yeah. like, this is something you've never considered, you know? Yes. Like, a moment like that. Every oh, few minutes. Yeah, I've never, you know, like, why would you? But, you know, like, thought about yeah. even stuff like that in a deaf household. Yeah. <laughs> and And at the same time, it's, like, as funny as it can be, I think it does a really good job of showing you, like, when the older brother wants to go have drinks with the other union workers after a day of fishing. And his he, has, he, he really wants to do that because he wants to be a part of this crew of fishermen. Mm-hmm. But he has this intense discomfort about not being able to participate, not being able mm-hmm. to know what they're saying. A guy bumps into him and like spills beer on him and it i mean like bad move on this guy but like you could see that happening anywhere mm-hmm. but he he's got to overcompensate but he overcompensates or doesn't like or is it isn't in that situation very often and so reacts really strongly but he's deaf and like that kind of um I don't want to say difficulty or or discomfort in navigating the world but just there's a difference in how 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 yeah. that how this young man can navigate these situations um and and i thought the movie does such a good job of like taking its time to give you that yeah oh god the choir guy's coming in he's got his latte it's the latte the skinny jeans the it's just out of what's that phrase out of central casting yes yeah yeah central casting or you know, yeah, like it was him, and then the high school bully girls mm. who are, 
Like, yeah. you, you don't even hear them talk, really, other than when she's they're making fun of Ruby. Yeah. But it's also like, I, I this is not ringing true to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, the way they're making fun of her yes. in high school. I'm like, yeah. This yes. Is, and it's and it's it's a challenging thing because the I I think what the filmmakers want to get across is is this it, Ruby confesses this to the choir teacher at one point that when she started coming to school she spoke differently because mm-hmm. she could speak and hear but she learned like you know our kids learn to talk from their parents and right. so she her 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 language learning is just so different. So she sounded, she said she sounded strange. She talked like a deaf person, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so for years, the kids made fun of her for that. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not in this movie because this movie is about 17-year-old Ruby, not six-year-old Ruby. Right. But the filmmakers want to put that detail in. And so they, oh, the girl's making fun of your deaf voice. And it's like, okay, like, it, it, it's it's that tension of the film wants to have it in there because it's interesting that's legitimately like that's yeah, a thing yeah. i've never thought like that, about that detail yes to share to that's painful in, that's real yeah. that's that's fascinating but how do you do it in a way that doesn't feel like shoehorning it in or this kind of like very cliche high school writing because mm-hmm. um, we talked about ladybird earlier but i think the high school stuff in ladybird is some of the best Yes. it's like the best version of that ever right and the the primarily high school stuff in coda is the stuff that just doesn't work for me as yeah. as much in this movie yeah um yeah yeah it i let me ask you do you think you would have a different reaction um before becoming a father mm, yeah totally to, to 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 the like kind of like the cheese ball aspect it's like yes it's cheese ball but like hey cheese is the best sometimes mitchell <laughs> i, I uh, can i just say what our next movie is sure we're gonna watch there will be blood next week we've we've got a special guest we're gonna talk about if we could, if we could pick a polar opposite movie yeah. <laughs> i was i was watching there will be blood this week and this is the first time i've watched it in years and I was so emotional in the beginning of that mm. movie, the yeah. father-son dynamic. Like, and, and that's part of what the movie's about. But like, everything is hit, hits me that way now. Yeah, and and it's just so different. So I I don't know how I would have responded to this movie before I was a father. And you know, it's yes, I respond more positively about it because because of that. And yeah, you know, that's who the movie's yeah. for, right? It's the the best scene in the movie to me is her and her dad on the pickup truck and yeah. he's like feeling her throat because we learn that he likes rap music because he can feel the bass yeah even though he can't hear the music so he's like can you sing that song and he's feeling her throat and feeling the vibration and like man this guy is an actor yeah oh yeah and he's an incredible actor he's amazing in this yes. probably my favorite performance. Um, just cause it like, yeah, this is, this is Troy, uh, Kotz, Kotzer, uh, as Frank. Yeah. yeah. Him more than anybody. I was like, this dude is a deaf fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. Oh yeah. That's who he is. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that, that scene was, I was like, 
wow, this is effective on me right now. Yeah. <laughs> and like my like my son turned two this year or this week. Yeah. And so we're watching this movie like week before. And I'm like, oh, this is all right. You got me. I'll, I'll bump my star rating just because I'm in the feels right now. Yeah. And again, I, I mentioned the scene earlier, but the the which is right before the scene you're talking about the recital, the fall concert, and how like how desperately they want to participate in what their daughter does, and like that's all you want as a parent. Mm-hmm. That you just right. you you just want to be proud of them, <laughs> right? Like, right. you know, we're at this super fun age with our kid where, you know, hey, how was school? Uh, I don't want to talk right now. I don't want to answer questions. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I love you, and all I want to do is be a part of your life. <laughs> it's like, nah. <laughs> Maybe some other time. No questions, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. What I mean, I I didn't see anything else at Sundance, obviously, but I wonder what about this. Su- movie? Summer of Soul was the other movie that won a bunch of awards, as it should have. Yeah, but I wonder what struck a chord. Well, that's kind of what I was going to ask. This feels not Sundancey to me. Yeah, I mean, it's Sundancey in that it's a it is actually an independent film, and like the whole Sundance thing is like it's independent. Um, right, and you know, I I don't even know what Sundancey is because sure. I've never gone. I've just seen movies that were shown there in yes. retrospect. But I guess I have assumptions about the type of movie that wins at Sundance or is shown at Sundance as being a certain aesthetic. Yeah, and so that's why this movie surprised me that it yeah, was. No, I I actually think this is a good point because I when I think about what is a what does an independent just independent movie in general and more specifically maybe kind of this festival kind of fair what does that look yeah. like nowadays and you know what comes to my mind first tell a, me a24 movies right like, right. like it's it's, it's, oh, it's almost it's like Bo a Burnham's darkness eighth to all grade. Well, not even like eighth grade like that's what i think of you know just like right. there is a there is this this very specific aesthetic that's not uniform mm. across but you can i could think of you know 30 movies that all kind of fall into that um, right like this almost looks like a netflix made for netflix movie which is and the irony is it's it was bought by apple tv after sundance right. so it wasn't it you know because a lot of the netflix stuff is like yep netflix they, they paid for the production of this movie and that's how this worked and you understand like okay that's how um that's why it looks like this um but it it has its premiere at um at sundance and then gets picked up um at the festival and by apple tv plus and so and and it, it just to me it is constantly um not operating the way that i think of as independent films right now in, in terms of its style and aesthetic and um like because i think of like manchester by the sea it's like this. In my head, whatever's being shown at Sundance or winning at Sundance, there's there's like a lack of uh, hope. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, like there there isn't this. Not the movies all like this, but there's not this lightness or airiness to the films that win or are. I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. I think of. Um, I. Uh, the the cliche 
on like film Twitter right now. We've gotten to the point where it's cliche where every good movie is a metaphor for grief. <laughs> right. Right. Like, right. Like we love to say that about movies because it feels like every other movie is a metaphor for grief. And, you know, I think about Manchester by the Sea. And, and Manchester by the Sea is... Much probably, like how every poem is about writing poems. Yeah. <laughs> every movie is about grief. Dealing uh, with or making movies. Um, but... Uh, exactly. You know, I think about Manchester by the Sea, a movie that was probably filmed down the road Every from, graphic design is about <laughs> designing <laughs> graphics. <laughs> these, are, these are movies that basically take place in the same, same region, but... You could play them side by side, and the the color palette on one is going to be uh, <laughs> far know. more gray than the other. <laughs> oh my goodness! And and Coda just has a brightness to it, a lightness to it, and maybe that's part of why I think people responded to it. Maybe is that it has such hope. <laughs> maybe if we needed it, it, a, like, a little bit of a sunrise, right? The past couple of years, and Sundance this year was not in person; it was all a virtual festival, and so you have. You know, you virtual Sundance and after, you know, a year of COVID and like people are desperate for anything that smacks of hope and doesn't matter how corny it is, like where right. this and that and that is part of how I feel about the movie. Right. Like it was fun to put something on that was through and through pleasant <laughs> to watch. Yes. <laughs> Which uh, isn't our normal or average, you know. Yeah, because we're gonna. I mean, well, we're gonna watch there. Well, next week, I would argue that through and through, it is very pleasant say, to watch that. But Green Knight, Coda, <laughs> and there will be blood. Uh, As I say, I love uh, her pranking uh, friends or hearing people about like what deaf what, yeah, signs what mean. Sign, what signs mean? Yes. Uh, yeah, like her friend who's into her brother. Yeah. She's like, teach me a sign to like, you know, pick up line. She teaches her how to say, I have chlamydia. Yes. <laughs> like, like, oh, that's a fun sibling dynamic in yeah. terms of pranks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I think, I think it is interesting that the, and, and it's, it's a curiosity for me that kind of the movies that we hold up as the best, the big achievements. I mean, I think about the, like, what are the, what are the four or five best movies of the 21st century, right? Since in the last 21 years, what, I mean, name a couple. It's There Will Be Blood. No Country. No Country for Old Men. Social Network. Social Network. Those are, those are like the first three that come to mind. That Those are not my, maybe my personal ones, maybe, but those are those are like heralded as three of the best films of the 21st or century. Parasite. A Parasite. Oh, gosh. Parasite's a good example. All four of those, like very cynical very very uh negative views of the world right there is a there is a darkness and cynicism that runs through all of those things right the the tommy lee jones monologue at the end of no country for old men (laughs) how do you oh we can rewatch that movie it's about go yeah yeah. (laughs) no like we can't do those back to back they those movies feel like they i mean they do they were shot next to each other but yeah they live together in conversation so much yes feels wrong to not not know do them back to back and and i'm sure we'll talk about no country next week but uh, 
that i mean that's this whole the, episode is just like gained height for next week <laughs> that's one of the one of the most depressing you know darkest monologues in a movie and then you have this movie coda that ends with like her signing i love you out the car window as she's gotten into the school of her dreams and going off to her music school right like we're all so inundated with despair we're it, like yeah really? this but but i it was such a breath of fresh air to me of here's a movie that really works that i'm responding to that is that is hopeful and right right um, maybe that's it yeah because even even like maybe it's okay every once in a while even like tree of life a movie we talked about on the pod a couple months ago a movie we love a movie that i i would say is absolutely like top five movie ever for me Mm -hmm. and and a movie that in a lot of ways is really uplifting is still like weighed down by a reality that terrence malick sees in humanity (laughs) there's a there's a soul longing a soul despair in that movie yes like there there, there's the depths of the longing that's happening Mm -hmm. is scary yeah it's beautiful but also scary yes what he's doing in that the the redemption at the end of it is so high right like Mm -hmm. the highest of highs but but there is like this reality that he observes about humanity that weighs it all down and and that's why the movie works it's not a complaint Mm -hmm. but um you know it's it's strikingly beautiful but there's so such such sadness and lament in it um and i like coda doesn't have that (laughs) right she's beginning her journey of Mm -hmm. who she is yeah basically yeah there's family tension there's challenge in the family but i never there's not this this is not about grief this is not about even loss this is about this is about moving forward and Mm -hmm. finding your voice and learning how to both uh uh support one another but not become dependent on one another because i think ruby right a lot of the tension is that the families become dependent on ruby but i think in a lot of ways ruby's dependent on her family right she's she's, safety yeah there it's just easy for her it's it's easy for her and she gets to be the important person and it's easy to have the thing that like, well, I can't do this because yeah. I have to, yeah. you know, never risk. Yes, her, her, she's not a very good student, right? It talks about her grades. And, and you know, it's because she gets up at 3 a.m., right? It's, yeah. it's, it's like she never has to find out if she would have been a good student without the fishing because that was just right. a reality. Right. And the, the, the music becomes this this disruptive force because hey actually she might be good at this and to pursue this and find your voice in it you're gonna have to walk away from your safety net mm-hmm. you're, you're gonna have to go to a place where you're not the most important person around and to eliminate the excuses yes yes yeah um and so it really i don't i don't know it really worked i think i think the movie works i i also watched um well, I'll get. Uh, well, I'll save it for segments. Okay. Well, here's what I'll say. After what was it? Green Knight, Contagion, Pig. Uh, what? What else? Oh, Summer Soul. That was uplifting. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say our last three though. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's why this was landing nicely this week. Of yes. like, if if you guys want a pleasant movie watch from this pod. <laughs> 
<laughs> that has some life on the other end of it. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, we'll get into segment segments. I'll give a preview though. I gave it four stars because I was I was like I said gushing at some scenes. Yeah. So if if a if a movie makes me feel I I can't I can't you know be the cool letterbox guy and give this a lower score because I, of its hopefulness. A hundred percent. And and I think even even there's a like a, a a degree of difficulty that the movie has in terms of overcoming the cliche corny stuff right and emotionally delivering really well in a lot of ways and so that that to me is like it's it's like the the gymnast who doesn't have the perfect routine but gets the higher score because the the moves that she went after were much more difficult Right. And that that's what I felt like with Coda, where it's the the to, to pull this off, this balancing act really, um it really takes some deafness and um I think I think Aha. yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> um uh but but I think they I think they for the most part really do pull it off. Yeah. Uh you wanna move on to segments? Yeah, let's jump into segments. What what are we sipping on this evening? I I have a uh, glass of water. Nice, nice. What about you? Well, as I said earlier, our son turned two, and to celebrate us getting him past that milestone of keeping him alive, uh, I'm sipping on the leftover bottle of Seco. Mm, nice. This is, excuse me, a damn fine cup of segments. So yeah, you've been uh, taking big swigs from a bottle. Swigs of a bottle. <laughs> All night. They're, yeah. they're, they're small swigs, but the bottle is large. Yeah. Um, all right, segments. Mitchell, favorite um, shot. Man, I'm gonna be honest. There's not a lot of interesting stuff to look at in this movie. Yeah. That being said, should I not say that? No, you can say that. It, it's. I I I I don't think you're wrong. I think it's a really competently made movie, yeah. but it's not the most like check out the shots movie yeah and in a lot of ways you said it earlier it feels like a netflix thing it felt like an episode of a tv show in in some ways i don't know it's not right. a knock no, against no. television right i think that's kind of the the aesthetic i'm picking up on is it does feel like a long episode of a show yeah shot like a tv show yeah but um probably just because it's my favorite scene i'll say the shot of her and her dad on the pickup truck that's your favorite shot too okay t- which shot though <laughs> The one, the long, the wide shot. Yeah, zoomed yeah. out. Yeah. Or both, yeah. No, no, I have a different one. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, just like, uh, like, I, you know, so this week we were in Sacramento area for Abel's birthday, and I was in my hometown, and... It's crazy even because, you know, we still live in California where we live now in Reading, but the three-hour distance, it's crazy what can change in that three hours because we, we're, me and Sarah were taking Abel to the park and taking our dog to the park at, like, twilight. And, you know, Elk Grove always kind of is the perfect temperature at twilight. Mm. And there's, like, a slight breeze and, like, I'm just getting childhood smells even at mm-hmm. the park we were at. Yeah. And it's you'd think it'd be so similar, basically anywhere in California, or not anywhere, but you know, like yeah, a similar elevation, yeah, whatever. And it wasn't; it was just hitting me so different. Yeah. And I, I guess I was 
like like what that scene did other than the amazing performance and kind of yeah. just the heartstrings being pulled it's just that like we're just enjoying a summer night yeah you know and that there's such an ease and and comfort yeah on the back of a pickup truck with your dad yeah it's like is there anything better yeah it's it's a beautiful scene um and and there's just such a easiness to it yeah, yeah. and it, it, and it just felt like it was a little bit more intentional mm-hmm. about how that was shot than yeah. a lot of the movie no definitely um and and i think even there's this line where he says like oh, the stars aren't as pretty out here as they are out on the ocean and right. and i'm looking at the shot and like you can see all the stars in the sky like they they lit it in a way where you or they or they digitally put in the stars but it's right like, oh, it looks pretty cool to me uh um, right and yeah my so my favorite shot in that scene it, it's it's a it yeah the, truthfully like my impulse was to pick the wide shot uh of the house and the boat and the truck and them sitting together but i think what i was at this is i was actually going to share this so you didn't change this but there's this shot it's when he's he's putting his hands on her throat so you mm-hmm. can hear her voice or I'm, I'm sorry so you could feel the vibration of her voice right and there's this um shot where he's it, it almost looks like he's like gonna strangle her right like he he and he's like he, he the he, awe that he has in his face yeah it's almost and, terror yeah and he's kind of i mean he's like a crusty looking dude with long hair you know like um because he's a fisherman and and he's got his hands around her neck and and I had this moment where it's like you you could pause it right here and show it to somebody and ask them what what's this movie about and 9 out of 10 people would say this is some slasher movie and he's a killer right. killing right. this young girl and and this is very odd that it's I love this moment but what what I love about it is that like this is we talk about this all the time this is what is so unique about this this medium of movies <laughs> is that you can take this single image and everything else around it, the context, the story, what you know about these characters, that's what matters for the image that you're seeing. Right. And 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 you take this image out of it and you can put it in a different movie and it becomes some, something completely different. It becomes it's a horror a, film. It's a Conan, what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> you remember that segment on Conan? Yeah, I remember it's not quite. Else. It's not quite the same thing. It was like a zoomed in. Oh, yeah. You know what is this? And then they zoom out. Some insane thing. But like, is it a you know serial killer about to strangle his next victim, or a loving father finally coming exactly. to terms and accepting his daughter? Exactly. And and I think it, I I don't really know of another form of art that kind of does that i mean like the novel i guess is the closest where you could take a page out of a novel but but even that like right you know uh the the, it's everything working together yeah and and there's no intention i don't think there's any intention behind behind she's the filmmaker is not trying to make it look like he's going to strangle his daughter that's the scene is played totally totally straight that would make it an a24 film (laughs) yes Yes. (laughs) but but it I just had this moment where I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. I, I chuckled to myself and I was like, oh, this is, but this is really sweet and serious and I'm responding to this because of everything else in it. Yeah. And so I liked it a lot. Uh, Mitchell, you said your uh, letterbox review was four stars. You said this earlier. Do you want to say anything else about this? 
Yeah, I think I said that the marketing material reminded me or made me want to do a marathon of dolphin tail one and two because <laughs> that's what it looks like. But maybe that helped serve it well because my expectations were low, and then it and then it got me. So yeah, yeah. I so also yeah, gave, four stars. I also gave it four stars. Um, I think, like I said earlier, I just think there's a degree of difficulty that this thing pulls off, and it subverted. It it, it was unexpected. Um, yeah. And like really solid movie. I like that this movie is here. I, l- I like that it exists. If anything, it made me understand why people love Glee so much. <laughs> this like, is oh man, when you start layering like footage and someone singing emotionally and like, like, okay, that's a pretty easy, you know, manipulation of the audience. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. But there, it's there's, good. It's there's good. a reason. There's, there's a reason Glee was popular. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, and then we got uh, the unsung hero, which we forgot to bring up Jared, but oh, I'm bringing back. unsung hero of this movie. Bringing back into okay. segments. I have two, so. Wow. All right. You need to think of them. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead with your two. My first is uh, it's choir practice, and he hands a shaker to a girl, and she has bad <laughs> rhythm. But it's not her. It's the second girl. He the hands her the shaker, girl, yeah. and she looks at like like she's never seen... <laughs> An instrument in her life. He hands her literally like an egg shaker, and she's like, "Hall," and she's like singing, and and like, and she's like discovers she's like great at rhythm, but the face she makes is like, like what alien device was I just passed down? So that was a great moment. Freeze frame that face, Hall. <laughs> And then my second unsung hero is uh, the like inspector woman clipping the tags off of her uh, jumper overalls on the boat, and and they're like, should we throw her overboard? In sign yeah. language, the, the the tag clipping was a nice nice detail. Yes, no the the scene with the shakers and the tambourines is absolutely <laughs> insane. I thought. What am, what am I watching? This is like so, yeah. Like, the first girl he hands it to, who's such like who's like in choir, a great singer. She's gonna be that bad at rhythm. Uh-huh. And then the next girl's gonna hold. <laughs> I've ball. never oh, seen an egg shaker. I'm a, turns out I'm amazing at shaking things. Uh, so as you were talking about it, I had picked my unsung hero, and then you went ahead and said your second unsung hero. Mine is that? also the inspector on the boat. There is like a, such a weird coldness so about annoying. her. Like she's like the worst person in the whole movie. She's like what? <laughs> and I love that she doesn't know they're deaf until like oh, I know. a half hour in. I'm like really. But which 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 should indicate like how how bad she is at her job. How, how bad she is, or how good they are at theirs. Right. That right. She could go half a morning and not know that they're deaf. She almost like trips over herself to go like rat them out. She's like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah. She like runs over. She's like she's on a terrible. boat with murderers. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, really bad. So unsung hero. I like it. I'm glad we brought that back. And my last one actually is their like screened in porch where they eat dinner. That's yeah. yeah. That I I need that in my life just for pure coziness. And then uh, lastly, what else have we been watching? I've got a couple this week. I'm All right. excited. Yeah. We have one that. we have one of the same. And then Yes. Uh, well I'll definitely yeah. talk about that. Um boy, I watched a bunch. Um Yeah, you want to go first with that one? <laughs> sure. 
I watched uh, The American Friend, as recommended by Jared last week. We yeah, both watched I, yep, it because yep. he was singing its praises. And uh, I, I loved it, but you know what? I need to watch it either by myself yeah. or, or just me and Sarah because I watched it with Mom. You watched and... it with Mom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so <laughs> I watched this movie with Mom and, uh, and our stepdad. Who I learned after hated it, <laughs> and I, you know, I was just when you can sense other people in the room are just not vibing with the movie. It's it's hard for you to just like fully embrace and enjoy yeah. it yourself. So I, I need to I need to rewatch. But I, I that being said, I still loved it, and and it's probably the like the colors are the best. That was my review of it. Yeah. S- simple as that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and it's the weird colors to, are unbelievable. Because the colors are not, it, 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 they're not so bright and in your face. No, they're so unique. Yeah. And like when they land, they land so good. And even yes. like the use of brown and yeah. variance in brown yes. was really fascinating. And then like the neon greens. And then like when he's walking outside, like the, the yellow, uh, Raincoat, the orange cards, like these are all landing so good. The the first chase scene on the subway system in Paris or wherever they are is oh, yeah. just incredible. Oh, the, yeah. It's tense. I it just like you're just so much of it is just waiting, waiting for someone to make a move. Yeah. And, it reminded me of crime punishment. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's oh. like, oh, we know he's gonna do this. Yeah. When is he gonna do it? And and he's so like doesn't wanna do it. Mm-hmm. He so doesn't like, wanna do it. Riddled with anxiety about it. And guilt about it and but for whatever reason, like goes through with it. It's it's very good. Um I love this. I love this movie. I, what else did you watch? Um I watched Michael Clayton. Oh gosh. Your first time? My first time watching it. That movie's um, amazing. It was, I think, the last of the 2007 best pick noms yeah. that I hadn't seen. Yeah. It's and crazy because Clooney's so good in it. I know. And like any other year, you just give him best actor right. for Michael that, Clayton. That year was stacked. But he's got to go in water. Daniel Day-Lewis. It's crazy. I know. But again, watch with mom. Which she liked this one more, uh, but I think, like, and I, I really liked it. I think the first half I needed to be have it cut in half a bit, because mm. uh, the second half is so thrilling, yeah, and so fun to see unravel. Um, but yeah, it was still great. Really recommend. I think it'll be a better second viewing because I was yeah. actually kind of like, <laughs> maybe I'm dumb, but I was a little confused on the actual. Well, and there's like, like a there's a time shift thing. Uh, time shift thing. You're trying to get your grounding. Of like, wait, so what is like is you know George Clooney just like like a born ultimatum style lawyer or something? Yeah. You know, like what what does he actually? So you're trying to figure it all out, and yeah. then the the case itself. But it was yeah. it was really good. And that movie, similarly to The American Friend, is very interested in gray. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Everything's that's definitely very gray. what I think of when I think about Michael Clayton. I think of the grayness. Yeah, um, but it was good. Boy, I watched cool. a bunch this week. I'm gonna give you, uh, well, the American Friend. I, I watched the American Friend. Um, I watched 
um, Paddington today with Enoch. Great movie. You've seen it? I've seen it. Yeah, it's a delight. It's a uh, it's the you know children's equivalent to Coda. It it was <laughs> yeah no yeah it, I was gonna say it earlier but it, it, similarly it is just a movie of hopefulness and delight and joy and I loved it. Mostly watched it so I can watch Paddington Two, which I've heard is a masterpiece, and can't wait. Have you seen that? I have not seen that. Yeah. Um, and then I watched uh, The Fast and the Furious. Have you heard of this? <laughs> hmm. I've heard of Tokyo Drift. <laughs> so I've never, I think we've said this on the pod, I've never seen a Fast, Fast and Furious movie. Except for uh, Tokyo Drift. I've, yeah. Parts, of, parts it. of it. Yeah. Um, but so I watched The Fast and the Furious and um, it was fine. <laughs> you know it, it's hard because my context for these movies is like them 20 like, years late like like jumping cars off of one skyscraper onto the next one car going off another car <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, already yeah. midair that doesn't happen in the first movie in the first movie they pretty much just race they just and go fast <laughs> they go very fast and so I, I'm looking forward to watching. But do they go very furious? Uh, I'm looking forward to watching four or five movies from now, but it feels like a lot of work to get to the exciting ones. So we'll Are see. Are you going through all those? I haven't decided. I watched the first one, but I heard Vin Diesel's not even in the second one. Is that plus or minus? I think it's a minus because he's the main character. Uh, and and I actually you just I thought you he just got to get I, to the family memes. I, I think he's pretty great. I just I and I don't care for Paul Walker as much, but uh, you know whatever. So I, that's that's what I watched this week. Uh, Sweet. That wraps next week up the segments. Next week, Mitchell, we are watching. As we said, there will be blood. But what is special about next week's episode? We have another guest. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm so guests excited are, for this one. Guests are becoming a regular here on the pod. And uh, to help us explore the madness, the greed, the deception is singer-songwriter Andy Squires. Awesome. And this was Andy's pick. This was Andy's pick. Um, he, he was kind of going back and forth between this and the Elephant Man, which I would also be interested in doing a pod on. But I think we're laying the plane with There Will Be Blood. Um, yeah, Andy is a singer-songwriter. He's a, he's a writer. He's a poet. He's got a book coming out soon that uh, me and some other people are actually designing and help oh, cool. create. And uh, he's genuinely one of my favorite artists, writers. Um, his songs are, 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 in a lot of ways, like the movies I like to watch. They are beautiful and yeah. also terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and and not, are not afraid to uh, explore death and mm. and joy in the same song. Yeah. And so uh, go listen to his stuff if you haven't. It's Andy Squires. Squires is S Q U Y R E S. Um, he's got two albums on Spotify that are just both killer, killer albums. And um, he's on Instagram at just Andy Squires, all all one word. But we're super excited to talk to him about There Will Be Blood. Yeah. So, and There Will Be Blood is streaming on Netflix right now. Um, so super accessible. Check it out if you've never seen it. 
it's amazing. If you haven't seen it in a while, go rewatch it. And I can't wait to talk to Andy uh, next week on the podcast. It's going to be a good one. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Movies While They Sleep. You can check out our favorite shots and connect with us that way. Um, and why don't you give us a review on Apple Podcast? Rate, rate and a, review. Rate and review. We like that. We like the positive affirmation. It feels. It makes us feel good. It's like Coda. Yes. Positivity. Make us feel. Make us feel good like Coda did. Write us a review. Second half of 2021. Things yes. are looking up, y'all. That's right. And uh, anything else you got for us, Mitchell? Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week for There Will Be Blood. Good night, y'all. Bye. I am Shiva, god of death.